You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This podcast is entitled Measuring Academic Growth with Dr. Jerry Goddard. Dr. Goddard serves as Dean of Administrative Affairs at West Coast Baptist College, and he has been involved in administrative work at the college level for over 30 years. Academic growth. You know, why do we have Christian schools? Why have you and I given our lives to serve God, to be involved in Christian education? Uh, I, I think it's because we want young people to learn. But a very important aspect of learning is testing. I guess that's different when you teach a Sunday school class, you really don't have a test. The test for that is really life. But uh, in schools, we want to measure academic growth. And I want to challenge you to think about some ideas about educational objectives. Pastor Chapel has said, I know others have said it too, that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I don't, I don't believe we can get too detailed and too serious about measurement unless we know where we're headed. And I'm convinced that there are a lot of teachers that are teaching almost helter-skelter, not really knowing where they are headed. And I think it's a very important foundational principle of education that we have objectives, goals, targets, so we know. In other words, how can we measure did we get there if we didn't really know where we were going? And I think it's a very important aspect of Christian education to be organized I think God would want us to do that. I think he would want us to have specific ideas. So uh, the goal of educational objectives, testing, and measurement is the improvement of instruction. You know, I don't know uh, how you handle testing in your classroom, but uh, let me challenge you with a thought. What do you do if you give a test and everybody failed? Well, you, you better ask yourself some questions. I think either they all got together and said, hey, let's not study. Probably not going to happen. Or you didn't write a very good test. Your test was confusing. Or you didn't teach. And by the way, two of those three are teacher responsibilities. And I think we'd better realize testing should tell us something. And we should learn from it. What if you give a test and everybody gets an A? Good teaching. Way to go. Now, maybe you're, you're not stretching them. You know that every student is not an A student? Now, you and I can all testify that we're the living proof of that fact. But if everybody's getting A's in your classes, you're probably not doing as much as you should be doing. But within the whole context of t- testing to find out, can we improve this instruction? And by the way, I hope you do that. I gave a test, and boy, that one section on the Civil War, they didn't, they didn't do well. I'd better change the way I teach that next time. Or I'd better go back right now and do some reviewing. So the whole, uh, and I really believe, I teach a class in Christian School Administration, and I try to tell these people the goal of administration is to improve instruction. You know why this, this, 
great example today. This is a nursery. There are small chairs and tables over there. In fact, my wife, uh, about once a month, has Kitty Church in here. She works with that. But somebody has gone to the trouble to move those chairs, bring in larger chairs, set up a screen, set up the, the uh, projector, the PowerPoint. All of that was done to improve instruction. Because if you were sitting on small chairs, and I didn't have a podium or notes or whatever, we wouldn't, I don't think, accomplish as much. So it's all about improving instruction, and that's really what testing is about. But I think the, the most important aspect of that is knowing where we're going so we can measure whether or not we got there. Talk about educational objectives. Couple definitions. Educational objectives are anticipated outcomes of instruction. Educational objectives are anticipated outcomes of instruction. What's the outcome? Where are we headed? What are we anticipating? Where do we expect to be? And very specifically, what do we expect our students to be able to do to show us that they learned? You know, and learning takes place in the mind. And there are countless numbers of theories of how that happens. I really think the, the key to learning is association. When That's why we illustrate things, because then some fact in the mind is connected to this new fact, and they connect those together, but it's all happening in the mind. And you don't know, and I think if you're an experienced teacher, you know this, you don't know everything that's going on in their minds. I don't know what's going on in your minds now. Some of you might be wondering what's for lunch. Some of you might be wondering where you're going later this afternoon or going back to Chicago or whatever. But it takes place in the mind, and as a teacher, you've got to get the student to do something to show you what's going on in their mind. And that's the essence of testing. Uh, educational objectives are anticipated outcomes of instruction. Secondly, the, they are statements describing the characteristics and specific skills that the teacher intends students to develop through instruction. Educational objectives are statements describing the characteristics and specific skills that the teacher intends students to develop through instruction. What do you want them to do? What do you want them to, how do you, what facts, you know, we're going to little, talk about cognitive, affective, and psychomotor domains. There are, there's factual information you want them to learn. There are attitudes, emotions you want them to learn. By the way, if you're a lower elementary teacher, teach them a good attitude about learning. Don't, don't tell them homework is punishment. They've got a lot of it in their future. And they need to have just a healthy attitude about it. That's part of teaching, too. And then some aspects of teaching is uh, physical movement, maybe keyboarding, uh, any more physical education, things like that. Thirdly, educational objectives are a teacher's guide or blueprint. A teacher's guide or blueprint. If you've done any, any construction or been involved in it, there has to be a blueprint. Uh, it, it's been very interesting, uh, the new driveway coming out here, just so happened the way it was planned, the architects and whoever was developing it had it coming right out of campus, right where there was major fire department plumbing. And that's obviously going to block a driveway, so we had to get the permission to move the plumbing. And, but there was a blueprint telling them how to do it, and I'm fairly confident if they had done it without a blueprint, it would have been chaos. 
And if we're teaching without a blueprint, we may have chaos and not even realize it. Educational objectives will foster effective teaching. They will also foster effective testing. Two subpoints there. Educational objectives will foster effective teaching and they will foster effective testing. Testing is, did we accomplish our objectives? I know that's simplistic, but that's really what it is. But before you can measure, did I meet my objectives, you better know what your objectives are. And I contend, and I try to teach this in some of my upper-level education classes, if you write good objectives, testing is simple. Because you just go back to those objectives and measure, did we do it? If you have an objective, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but if you have an objective that I want uh, maybe the fifth grade, I want them to learn the states and the capitals. Is that a fifth grade thing? Somewhere around there. So uh, my goal is that they will match the states and the capital. That's probably how you're going to learn it, California, Sacramento. So when you get ready to write the test, it's not very hard to write a test. States and capitals, authors, works of literature, dates and battles, matching section, easy. So you've set it up, and then it's easy to write that test, which you're probably writing late at night, trying to get it done quickly, but anyway. Let me give you some things. Educational objectives are not... They are not methods used by the teacher. Educational objectives, you know, what's your objective? Well, I'm going to lecture. No, education is about the students. What are the students going to do? They're not methods used by the teacher. Secondly, they're, they are not activities to be performed by the teacher. What's your objective today? I'm going to do this demonstration. We're going to mix these chemicals and what? No, your objective ought to be that the students will understand and be able to apply the principles of this chemical reaction. And then thirdly, they are not content to be covered by the teacher. They are not content to be covered by the teacher. Let me just give you there. I think we have a point C, is it? Educational objectives pertain to student knowledge, skills, and attitudes. Educational objectives pertain to student knowledge, skills, and attitude. And I touched on that a little bit earlier. Knowledge, you want them to learn some factual information, obviously some usage of the factual information. But sometimes skills, very importantly, attitudes. You know, I would guess just about every one of you who's involved in a Christian school ministry, your ministry at some point talks about character training. Maybe it's in the phone book, the ad, or somewhere in some kind of a promotional material. We teach academics and character training. And character training is really attitudes about life. You want to learn punctuality and responsibility and obedience and submission to authority, a variety of those. And by the way, that's not okay. You can't graduate until you memorize that list. Character training it comes and is tested when they're in a doctor's office. And the doctor says to that young couple who got this character training, uh, the sonogram tells us there's a problem. You need to abort this baby. That's the test of character. You, know, you don't have it on paper and, with paper and pencil. But uh, we ought to be teaching them character, and those are just attitudes about life. Knowledge is within the cognitive domain. I know this is a review for those of you who have degrees in education. Knowledge is in the cognitive domain. 
skills are within the psychomotor domain. Then attitudes are in the affective domain. Three basic domains. Cognitive having to do with knowledge, and we do teach knowledge. Psychomotor, many courses teach skills, physical movement. And then attitudes are within the affective domain. Let's look at some characteristics. Characteristics of a good educational objective. First of all, it is concrete. Concrete. You know, I don't know if you've ever set personal goals. Have you ever decided, I don't know if you're into New Year's resolutions. I don't usually do that. Uh, but maybe it's okay. I want to. I'm, I haven't been reading like I should. Somebody told me uh, if in five years from now I'll be the same person I am, except for the books I read and the people I meet, and by the way, the food you eat. But uh, so you want to read more. So you set a goal for the new year. I'm going to read more. You know, that's not concrete. How will you measure if you reach that goal? But if you say I'm going to read. Two books a month. Good educational objectives are concrete. You know, you could say my objective is that my students will learn the times tables. Okay, well, learning takes place in their mind. Concrete, if it were concrete, you'd want to rephrase that so you can get it where you can see it. Secondly, it is measurable. A good educational objective is measurable. You cannot measure learning. You can measure listing. You can measure uh, writing. You can measure identifying, matching. There are so many words that are measurable. And one of my purposes today is to help you understand if you'll write educational objectives in measurable terms, it'll be easy to measure. As opposed to, I want my students to know it. Well, how will you know? Okay, I'm going to improve that. They will really know. You can't measure that. Measurable. And then thirdly, it is written. Good educational objective is written. Uh, We try to get our instructors here to write educational objectives for all their classes. So that first day of class, we get a course syllabus, course description, course objectives. As a result of this course with the projects and the, the lectures, the student will whatever. We want them to do. And if we'll write them measurably in writing, concrete, we can then measure them when we get to the end of the semester. Okay, I think I have some samples. I don't have them written up here, but let me just ask you this if there's a problem. These are, these are poorly written objectives, I'll tell you that. As a result of this unit of instruction, the student will know the important dates of the Civil War. You can't measure that. You might want to say they will match the dates with the battle locations. That's concrete. That's measurable. You may say, okay, they'll understand the reasons for the Civil War. You know, how do you test that? You might better say they'll compare the political views of the North and the South and discuss how they contributed to the beginning of the Civil War. Something concrete. Uh, You might say that your goal is that they will learn the names of the major battles but uh, in a concrete way, you could say they'll list the names of the battles. And listing is measurable. Knowing is not. And I just want to try to get you to understand, if you'll write measurable objectives, 
test writing will be very effective. And not that we're trying to make everything easy, but it will be easier for you to accomplish your goal in your testing. Okay, the cognitive domain. We mentioned that earlier, and I want to just give you, and for many of you, this is probably a review, but I think it's very important. There's a lot being written about the cognitive domain. Cognitive domain has to do with uh, knowledge, and we do impart knowledge. There is a lot of knowledge we're hoping our uh, students will learn. And there's a hierarchy in the cognitive domain and the classification of educational objectives. Let me just give you these. The lowest level is the knowledge level. That's defined as the basic recall of factual information. The knowledge level is the basic recall of factual information. Now, there are people, uh, some secular educators, some people writing a lot, who, are, who think the teaching of factual information is a waste of time. Now, I, I think there's a problem with that statement, and we'll clarify it in a moment. But uh, just pure recall. If I'm going to test on the knowledge level, I'm going to say, for example, what happened on December 7, 1941, bombing of Pearl Harbor. Now, you can match that bit of information with that other bit of information with no understanding, no comprehension, Without even just bombing of Pearl Harbor, you're not even sure United States, Japan, the cultures, the economy, the alliances with Germany, the alliance with Great Britain. You have no concept of everything else going on there. It's just a bit of information. That is the lowest level of knowledge, teaching, and testing. Above that is comprehension. And it's a little more complex is defined as the knowledge of a fact plus the ability to make some use of that material. And probably if you've taught for some time, at some point you've said to your class, do you comprehend? What you're really saying is, are you understanding it enough to use it, to maybe apply it some way, think through it, uh, make some use of it? That's comprehension. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next is application, defined as a willingness to use comprehension. Application. I routinely uh, tell my students, I challenge them to remember about the fifth and sixth grade math story problems. You remember the story problems? How many of you liked story problems? Okay, how many of you didn't? Okay, kind of a mixed reaction here. But it, it, that was measuring application. Can you take those mathematical f figures, equations, whatever, fit them into a setting and apply what you had learned. Somebody was measuring application. Above, above application is analysis. A definition indicates an ability to break down material into its parts and to detect relationships of parts in their organization. To literally analyze. The opposite of that is synthesis. Working with elements or parts to form a whole is synthesis. And finally, at the top of our hierarchy is evaluation. The making of judgments about value of some purpose, idea, or work. It's based on knowledge, comprehension, application, analysis, and synthesis. So what I'm trying to help you understand, get out here and see this. Knowledge is the lowest level, basic recall of facts. Evaluation is 
the essay question, you know, back to what happened on December 7th, 1941. Now, why did the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor? And a lot of you do that with essay questions because you're requiring them to possess some knowledge and use it. Now, the people who are against teaching of factual information, I think there's a problem with that because if you don't learn all that factual information, you can't make that judgment, that evaluation. And I tell you all this to say, I think some of us, and I've been accused of this, I was once, somebody said, if it's not a list, it doesn't exist. But uh, we teach on the knowledge level. But let me challenge you, let's move up the ladder. Let's get them to use it, to understand it well enough to make an application or understand it well enough to fit it into a situation. I have a couple of people here who have taken some of my classes. I teach a master's level class in Christian School Administration. And I can't remember if it's the midterm or the final, but essay. You're the principal. This happens. Based on what we talked about, what would you do? Well, that's go back and re- recall some of that information we covered and then make some use of it. By the way, that's, that's life. Uh, one of my great frustrations is going to the grocery store and you give them a 20, maybe it's 1804, and you give them a 20 and they punch the computer and then I'm late and I give them the four cents. They don't know what to do. They just... I've had them just give me too much. You just just take it. Or, you know, push the button and get the manager over there and try to and he struggles struggles to figure it out. But they're not making application. They've never been taught how to use it. Some of them haven't even been taught the knowledge. But anyway, my challenge is let's get off the knowledge level, understand there is a hierarchy. And let's shoot for evaluation. Why? Because we'll be better preparing them for life so they can use the things. You know, and math, I think, is easy to understand the practical application of it because they can balance their checkbook. I I shouldn't ask you this. I have two daughters that don't balance their checkbook. You know why? Because they've got a phone that every every five minutes they, they go to the bank and online, it's all there. I don't understand that. I, I go back and look at the numbers. Kind of a, banks, yeah, and I've never made a mistake in my check. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right, let's go on. The relationship between educational objectives and effective testing procedures. We're talking about measuring academic growth. Good testing procedures, I think, are based on good educational objectives. Back to what we said. How can you measure if you got there, if you really didn't know where you were headed? The relationship between educational objectives and effective testing procedures. First of all, educational objectives give direction. Back to the old illustration, how do you know if you get somewhere if you don't know where you're headed? Our classes ought to have direction. Teachers ought to know where they are going. You know, the measurement at the end of the year is did we accomplish our objectives, not did we fill the time. And we've got to have educational objectives so we can stop and measure. 
And so I know I'm going to be measuring, you know, back to the states and capitals. I know, and I'm, I'm not for teaching the test. That's not what I'm talking about. But I know I'm going to test them. Can they match up the states and the capitals? Well, I guess I better at some point teach it to them and maybe practice it and review it and maybe have a, a game where you, if you match it, you get a prize, something, some way to do that. I, I had the privilege of teaching sixth grade one time, and I don't know how I got this idea, but uh, we were using the Abeka curriculum and had a, a lot of spelling words, and my kids just weren't getting it. They weren't spending any time. And so I got this idea, and we had spelling baseball. And so the, whoever was up to bat was here, and if they spelled the word right, they got a single. If they got it, then they defined it, they got a double, and then the next, and this team and that team, and boy, it, it was fantastic. I enjoyed it, but I had a kid slide into home one time. But <laughs> it was just, and suddenly they were learning their words and the definitions. And... So my point is, if you know you're going to test them on those spelling words, you're going to do something, you'll have direction in what you're doing in the class. Secondly, educational objectives give destination. You'll know what it is will happen when you get there, because you know where there is. Thirdly, test question writing becomes easier. Okay, I've got to write this test. Well, let's see. I've been teaching the states and capitals. I wonder, oh, yeah, match. Now, obviously, there are a lot of things we could say about matching exercises. They're only supposed to be 15 or 20 items in length and unbalanced. But anyway, I, I wouldn't. I want to make sure you understand. I'm not recommending a 50-question matching exercise. But you can do that with several exercises and find out, can they match the states and the capitals? It'll make it easier. And more importantly, test question writing becomes more effective. And what's effective? Measuring, did we accomplish our objectives? Measuring, should we do something different next time to accomplish this? Because... We're trying to improve instruction. I know we've been a little rushed for time, and, and much of what we said is probably a review for many of you, but I, the longer I teach, the, the stronger my conviction that we need good objectives. Testing is very important. But how can we test if we didn't really know where we were headed in the first place? And objectives will help us know where we're headed, give us direction, give us destination and help us measure see if we did accomplish that. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was entitled Measuring Academic Growth with Dr. Jerry Goddard. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.